This is Church Tech Profiles, episode 18 for the week of March 8th, 2021, the Higher Ed AV podcast crossover. Well, hello everybody. This is Van Metschke, your host, and I'm going to get right into it because this podcast is jam-packed. Finally, we had a chance to be on the Higher Ed AV podcast with my friend Joe Way. And this is a rebroadcast of that podcast. So if you haven't checked that podcast out, I would encourage you to do so. It's the Higher Ed AV podcast. Joe's a great guy, church tech for many, many years, TD, and he has really started a revolution of podcasting and support for the higher ed AV community, which is colleges, universities, and things like that. So without further ado, since this is a long episode, I am just going to get right into it. And here is our crossover episode with the Higher Ed AV Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to the Higher Ed AV Podcast. My name is Joe Way and I am your host. And oh, do we have a good one for you today. I have one that only took me a hundred and I don't know how many episodes to get on. And in fact, wanted him to be one, you know, like one of the very first, first guests. And then let's see, as I was leaving Cal Baptist, I think probably a week before I left, I said, hey, let's schedule to have you on. And then now that's been a year and a half. And right. um, yeah. here we are. We are finally, finally here. Um, I know people who have heard me say this before. Um, this podcast would not exist without you, Van. Um, this, you are uh, the inspiration to, um, I will say, not just my podcast life, but my ability to really be successful in the AV industry. Um, because one thing that you have taught, and, and I know that we're going to, um, I know I haven't even had you in, introduce yourself because, well, our audience doesn't know each other because we're doing a crossover episode, but I want to say right. first, your heart for people and relationships is infectious. And that's what I got when I was listening to Church Tech Weekly for years and years and years. And it was like, that's something that is just so needed in our industry. So Van, um, it's good to talk to you. People don't yeah, know. Van Metschke. Good. It's good to be here. It's good to be here, Joe. I, um, yeah, we talked about this for a long time. We've had, quite, it's been quite the, quite the journey, but yeah, we've I've, I've, I've many times listened to your podcast gone thinking, wow, you're wow. He, he has such a better podcast, <laughs> podcast than, than I do. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's awesome. I, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about this forever, like you said, so it's very cool. And I'm, I'm very flattered. Thank you for the compliments. I, I, uh, even though I'm an extrovert, I don't, I have a hard time uh, accepting compliments. So I will graciously say, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's an honor to be part of the journey, the journey of this podcast and then, and, and to see where you've gone in your professional life. And, so it's yeah no it's very very cool I'm glad we're finally getting to do this it's kind of weird I, I know I, you know I, I yeah, made my so. appearance on on Church Tech Weekly right before that one decided to put a bow on it um, yeah and now you know we're here and I think you know we chatted before we hit record right like what are we going to talk about oh, oh, oh. we're going to talk about our, our friendship we're going to talk about things we talk about we're going to talk about like when we go have lunch we don't have an agenda we just talk right yeah well and the good thing <laughs> is i i you 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 confess to me that 
like myself, you don't generally have a plan when you walk into the podcast. <laughs> so I feel a lot better about that. I mean, generally with, with uh, so for your listeners who don't know me, um, I'm sure they've heard, I know because I listen to your podcast, I, you, you, you've, you know, dropped my name, uh, sprinkled my name through through as as uh someone that is a friend of yours and uh but so what i do right now is um as podcasts go is i have a podcast currently called uh, church tech profiles which is basically uh, we interview tech directors and people production people uh in house of worship that make church happen every week they might be paid they might be volunteers we also bring in people associated around that and also vendors who serve the church with technology. So that's kind of what I do right now. My day job is I work for a company called Vantage Pro AV, which is a integrator, uh, mm-hmm. AV integrator uh, based here in Southern California, but we also have office in uh, Kansas city and office in Nashville. And so I get to do that. And basically my job is uh, client relations, church relations. I just basically go out and connect people. And, and if, you know, if people have a project or need gear or whatever, I'm kind of that connector to see if we're the right company to help them with their project. So that's what I do. But, um, and for many years, I was the co-host of something called church tech weekly that you talked about before with, uh, um, a friend of ours, Mike Sessler, who oddly enough is the engineer for our, the company I work for now. So I'm actually back working with Mike. I've worked with him. I've worked with him at two companies now. <laughs> and so my former company that I worked for before he was, he was there and then he left and helped start Vantage Pro. And so now I work with the company. I'm not stalking Mike. People may think that's happening, but it's just been some happy accidents that God is kind of, you know, mm-hmm weaved in so it's always better working with your friends but um yeah so that's kind of my thing and then i've spent uh you know a long long time doing this i've been in av my whole life i started mixing when i was 15 and toured and worked in a house of worship on staff at churches for about 20 years in their technical departments so and then the last seven, eight years. Uh, I also worked for an integrator before that. And then, and then the last six years I've been in integration solely. So yeah, yeah that's my, that's my spiel. Th- that That's a good spiel. <laughs> and I, I guess for your, your audience members, I guess I should give a quick bio. Uh, mine's not as, Please. My, mine's not as long as yours. So mine's not yeah. nowhere near as impressive, but um, so obviously, you know, years in the entertainment industry before moving into house of worship where uh, I think it's originally where we met when I was at Compass Bible Church um, mm-hmm. down uh, in Aliso Viejo. And then after leaving there went and, uh, TD'd one of the satellite churches for Saddleback for three and a half years um, right. until that one kind of uh, merged with another Saddleback church. Um, and that's what also at that same time where I went to um, Cal Baptist University, which is, you know, Riverside, and you're right there, which we'll have to get to. You're, you're the only reason I know any restaurants in Riverside. And, <laughs> and well, let me forget, all the good restaurants, you know, the, you know where yeah. to go. Um, right. And, and then, of course, now at USC, uh, I'm director of uh, director of learning environments overseeing all the general use classrooms for University of Southern California. So that's kind of the journey that that I've gone through. And um, and I just remember, you know, like 
when we were in, you know, when you, the salted pig there in Riverside and we is where we, we had this conversation about your podcast. I remember inviting you out and going, okay, I need to, I want to ask how to do this. And you're being, you're just, you know, go for it. Don't be like, you had such great advice that it only, it took me 10 months to take the advice um, because of exactly <laughs> what you said. I was so worried about doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, okay, do I have to, how much to prepare and then get this and this. And I sobered it. And then finally it was over time. I mean, I just remember you saying, like, just you do. If you feel that there's a hole and a missing link in your vertical, then just you know, be the voice out there. Um, And that's kind of what I try to do. And I think that's what you're good at. Like, what's you know, if I had to take your entire bio and put it into like like a couple of words, you're a handshaker. You're a hugger. You're the guy who makes connections. And I, I think that, and, and, and that's one thing I've always kind of admired. So how, how does that relate to AV to you? Like, wh- what's that importance? Well, again, thanks for the compliment. I appreciate that. It's always weird <laughs> it's, hearing it's, about it's, yourself. It's, 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 it's the Van Compliment weird. Show. That's what today. Well, I, I keep thinking, I'm like, I'm like, man, I should write this down so that uh, I can give this to my wife so she has a great <laughs> obituary for me. So, but um, uh, no, I, um, so the joke is, you know, for everybody that's listening to this, whether you're in house of worship or you're in higher learning, or you just a tech doing something else that likes this podcast, uh, either one of these podcasts, cause, um, uh, we're going to basically broadcast this on both of our podcasts, um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, they cross over and two, uh, we're both a little lazy. So this is an easy <laughs> way to get extra episodes out of stuff. Right. And so, um, that's not true actually, but, uh, uh, a little bit of truth. I, it's a little bit. It's a tiny bit of truth. <laughs> but um, well, for me, so the joke always is that, you know, only about three to five percent of tech people are extroverts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and some people say like one and a half percent, but both of us are extroverts and we're uh, so we are the ones that end up talking at all the conferences or doing the podcasts or all that because, you know, extroverts do these things. And so, you know, I love tech, obviously. I'm a sound engineer. If you ask me what I do, I'm a, I always will be a sound engineer. So I love to mix. Uh, but I had to become a tech director to, you know, continue to do what I do. And uh, God just kind of let me, led me through that and had a lot of great, a lot of great opportunities. But I think the biggest thing for me is when I left being a tech director after 20 years of being on staff at four different church organizations, I, the biggest thing that I missed was the teams was every week being with a bunch of other technicians, which sometimes they were other paid professionals. Um, I worked at two very large churches here in Southern California, where I got to work with a lot of amazing professional technicians who were really good at their job. And then I worked at two churches where most of my staff were volunteers and they were all over the map. Some of them were amazing. Some of them just liked to come in and push a button twice a month. And that was it. But what I loved is building those teams and just connecting people together and just also connecting people to something that they were good at. You know, um, there's many disciplines in this from IT to mixing to lighting to all that. And it's so fun to get to connect people and get them turned on to something that 
just clicks with them. It just, mm-hmm. they, it just in their head, they just go, I, I get this, uh, you know, whether it's presentation software or whatever, or video directing or, you know, or being behind the scenes, setting stuff up, connecting things together, being the backline people. It's that's my favorite thing. What I get to do in my job now is that's what I get to do. I get to talk to people all the time and I get to connect them with other people. And one of the funnest things about doing the podcast is I get to connect people with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's just kind of who I am. I, I love people and, um, I, I, uh, um, you know, I believe one of the reasons that I am such a big believer in this is because, um, you know, and, and hence for your audience, uh, you know, I spent most of my time in house of worship in the church. So I always say this, I always say Jesus was in the people business. And if you're going to work in church, you're in the people business. Cause that's kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, higher education is about teaching people. Yep. It's not about the books. It's not about the institution. It's about the people that go through the institution. So you're in the people business. And so you, you, you are doing this. I think a lot of times people that are technical uh, sometimes get to where the tails wagging the dog. So mm-hmm. people get upset as technical, you know, we all know this, right? Technicians are kind of passive aggressive. They can be people that are technical no. can be kind of passive aggressive. <laughs> uh, but the problem is they think that the, the people are there for the technology. They may not consciously say that, but that's kind of how they act. And, but the flip side of all this is that, no, the technology serves the people. Um, And in this day and age, it is very hard to remember that because sometimes it does feel in our society, like we are all here serving the technology, (laughs) you know, Uh, but the bottom line is the technology serves the people. And if the technology is not working in a way that it serves the people, then we're not doing our job right. So that's one of the things that I'm super passionate about is how do we get technology to serve the mission, whatever the mission is, whether the mission is from the, for the church, whether the mission is for the school, whatever the mission is, or your, or our company, what's Mm -hmm. the mission? How does technology work for the mission? So that's, that's kind of, that's my, the reason I do this is because I love people and people are the re the people are the end reason. Mm -hmm. You know, technology is just a car that we drive in to get to our destination. So, yeah, absolutely love that. And I I couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, looking at the journey, like if I go from house of worship into higher education, um, I think that, you know, in, and maybe rightly or wrongly, I don't know. And, and in house of worship, there's a lot of focus on front of house, front of house, the audio guy, whatever, or gal who was there sitting at the desk. And yet yeah. there's so much more that goes into AV. And like we might say, oh, there's the production room or there's, you know, we don't talk about control at all there in, in the house of worship side, but, you know, as opposed to commercial integration side. Um, but, and then we'll talk about people when we're talking about our teams and our volunteer teams. And, you know, we understand that there is a congregation there, but we don't always then re-equate that that technology goes through to impact the people in the chairs. There might be a lot of focus on our immediate team and our volunteers and how are we going to get planning center invites accepted and those types of things. But, right. you know, remembering that hearts and minds get changed 
through the message that comes from, you know, the platform and from the pastor. And I see that being very similar. And when I moved into higher ed, a lot more focus on that because it, you know, you have a faculty member who is a, you know, is your user, right? You know, I might be, have my own kind of in-house team, but really I have my own users too. And they're there all the time ready to complain that, you know, their users, their students, their customers are not getting what they paid for, right? Because it costs money to go to these schools, right? It's not voluntarily tied. It's someone's taking out a loan and probably too big of a loan in order to sit in that chair. So you hear it and go, wow, we really have to think about the people and how the decisions we make impact that final customer way down the road. And I think even more so in House of Worship, that really can be, you know, our focus and sometimes lose, lose focus. Once you're put in the dark room and you've got all the buttons on your, you know, your audio console and you get stuck into making sure just the right sound is coming through. But what about the right message coming through? You know, and I think that is um, one of the, you know, the things that I, I love that we keep focus on. And I try to put focus on as well, because in the end, the technology is going to change, it's going to develop, it's going to break, it's going to have problems, it's going to have every, you know, but all it does, as you just said, it is the vehicle. It is the something that goes from point A to point B. And it's that message and how we use our tools then impacts that message, right? right. And that's yeah. our job as technicians. Well, and I think too, um, you know, uh, one of the things that, I, I deal with on an integration level is a lot of times that the technical people that are, well, and it's not just integration. I mean, it's in, it's in live event, you know, support as well is that technic technical people can easily lose track of why people call them or <laughs> why they're need why they're needed. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll hear somebody get, like, and I've done this too. I'm not saying that I've never been this way. I, I was incredibly passive aggressive for many years, but I've, I've gotten, I've had a very big change of heart uh, in the last 10 years. And so I can say this from experience because I was one of them, but we forget that the reason they're calling us and the reason we have a job is because the you end users don't know how to do what we do. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They see this is this is something that very much frustrates me. I'm holding up, I'm holding up, I'm showing Joe my iPhone. So you can't see it, but picture that in your head. Uh we are made to believe that this iPhone is simple, but it's not simple. It's incredibly complex. It's built on the backs of thousands of engineers for the last 35 years. <laughs> To get to the to get to the iPhone 12 or whatever we are on yeah. whatever we're at now, uh, you know, or whatever the, whatever Android we're at. but so it they sell it as a simple product, but it's actually very complex. So people call us, and this is the same in the AV world, is my opinion. You know, uh, Einstein once I, I I'm not sure he actually said that, but he's been quoted as saying uh, that the the goal is to make things as simple as possible, not simpler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and there's big, right. There's a yeah. big difference in that. So I, 
I, my thing is we forget as technicians that people don't know the reason we have a job is because people don't know how to use their stuff and they're relying on us to help them with that. Mm-hmm. So it's very stupid of us to get mad and arrogant of us to get upset or frustrated with the end user um, because we're, we have a job because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. If they knew what they were doing, we'd all be out of work. We'd be doing something else. I'd be, I don't know, welding or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You know, you know that's so good because like um, I told, I've told this story before uh, to my audience, but when I came into USC, one of the first things I had to do was audit the entire department. And because we use a ticketing system, um, everyone gets, after you put a ticket in, you'd get a survey, right? And the user could put out a survey. Matt, by the way, imagine if your pastor had to fill out a survey for you every time you had to do something for them. What would you, what, think about what, what response you get back. But now all our users that's, do. That's rough. I uh, yeah, huh? Um, but here's the thing. So I would get, and our rating was awful out of a five point rating. We had like a 1.4. Okay. You have to try to do that bad. Okay. Um, but here was the thing. And I was, I'd look through the questions they would be, you know, bad service, blah, 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 took too long, blah, blah, blah. You know, final question, did they solve the problem? The answer was always yes, right? So, and, right. and people go, okay, well, well, you know, the TV was down. I walked in, I fixed the TV, and I left. So I did my job. Um, well, what I preach to my team is, you know, you haven't, you, it's not about fixing the problem. You have to fix the person, Right. If you come in disgruntled that they called you in the first place to come in and have to fix this or get the Apple TV going or get their content up, sure, you might get it going, but they still never want to see you again, right? They still don't right, like exactly. you, right? Yeah. And But if you have that rapport and you build the relationship with the person, you know, and I've noticed that too, where I'll have employees be the flip side. They'll give, they'll get rankings on five on customer service and then have, did they fix the problem? No, but yet they've right. got a perfect, like, because if you've fixed, if you've built that relationship, you've worked with the person who is that end user now, you know, cause maybe the problem isn't fixable, right? A dead TV is a dead TV period. Right. right? Um, yeah. But now what if you actually have an unfixable problem and you're bad at customer service? Now, <laughs> you know, that, 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 yeah. that's a win. And I think that's exactly what you said. A lot of uh, tech people, we have a tendency, if we are, you know, introverts, for people who like the gadgets to forget about that right. side, right? And take our frustrations out publicly in front of our right. quote-unquote customers. Yeah, and I, we've all done, I mean, even, even extrovert people in this do that because all techs <laughs> tend to be, because of the way our brain works, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we can tend to be very passive aggressive. And I have definitely done that. And, uh, you know, so you have to be very careful about, you have to fix the problem. So I always tell people, I say, you know, you got to be nice and realize that they're asking you for help. They don't know, but you also have to be smart and be able to fix the problem. And now you may not know how to fix the problem, but you, you know, my dad always used to say, one of one of the things that people say that say to my face about me, so I know that they 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 say it about <laughs> me, is they say we love the fact that you seemed like you know a lot of people, you know a lot of really smart people in this industry, and I and I take that from my dad. My dad always told me said, now for all you youngsters out there, you won't know what a Rolodex is, but it's basically your contacts in your phone. They used to have them on these little pieces of paper, and you used to flip them around on on this thing on your desk because you know 
That was it. The old timey, <laughs> the old timey days. But my dad always used to say, have a Rolodex with a lot of smart people in it that will take your phone call. Mm. And, um, so I've really like lived my life to try to get to that place of people will, if I call or text, people won't be going, Oh man, there's van again, asking questions. I don't even want to take us. And it's easier now, right? Because they don't have to answer my call. They see my text. They can just ignore it or block me or whatever, but it's super simple. So you have to, if, even if you don't know the answer, you have to have people in your quiver that are smarter than you. I'm not that smart. I, I know a lot of smart people, a lot of smart people that will take my phone call. And so the reason that I'm perceived as being smart in this industry is basically because I know a lot of people that are really smart and I have no problems calling them and go, Hey, I don't know what to do here. What is this? You know? Yep. Um, so, but we have to solve their problems. So you have to be nice to them and treat them like you care, but then you also have to bring, you have to, you have to bring it at the same time. Um, people need solutions. The bottom, the bottom line is people need solutions. They need to be nice and they need a solution for their problem. And if you can provide those two things, you're going to win every time, yep. every time in that relationship. And you're going to have a great relationship with those people. And you're going to, people are going to want to be around you. The other thing is, you know, with that, I think what stems off of that is just really interesting is like when I was doing live events all the time. So I did live events most of my life. Well, there were certain people. I remember back when I was freelancing and I was doing a lot of secular events and stuff like that. Um, uh, there were a lot of folks that were really good, good video directors, good lighting directors, all this stuff. But man, some of them were not fun to work with. Oh man, they were so unpleasant. And I was kind of like, I, I always, I was told by several people, they said, well, you know, we don't even think, I mean, you yeah, you're, it sounds great when you mix, but the reason we hire you is because we, we our whole, all of our teams love working with you. Mm. They love it when you're there, you make it better for the team. You make it better. You, you bring it, you know, I, 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 I'm a good sound engineer, but they like, they kept hiring me more because I was, they liked working with me over and over again. And I mean, how many, we all know everybody out there that's listening knows people that are really, really good technically, but man, you do not want to work with them. Yep. You go, Oh man, do I have to work with that guy again? This, uh, I mean, the show's going to look great. It's going to sound great, but I don't want to talk to that guy <laughs> during the show. <laughs> I hope he's not on calm at all, <laughs> please. Um, so, you know, you have to, it, it's like a both and, and, and yeah. you got to work at it because, you know, we all have, you know, different personalities and skill levels and all that. So it takes work, you know, so, so what is, what is your secret then? Cause I think that team, you know, team gel team, whatever the right phrase is, is probably the single, it, it's, it's the mystical, you know, beast, right? It, it everyone right. says they want it. Everyone, you know, how do you do that? And I know, you know, and it's different too, whether doing with, you know, paid staff who kind of have to be there and volunteers right. who don't, um, you know, and I could say I could equate volunteers to my student workers, for example, even though, yes, they're right. paid there. Yeah. It's still the same type of an amateur into the professional realm. Right. Well, um, and they're and they're running through. I mean, you're only going to have them for so long, exactly. like volunteers in church. A lot of times students are the same way. Right. You only have them for a certain amount of time. You may have only ha you may have them for four years. You may only have them for one. Yep. You don't know. Yeah. So, so what is that secret sauce? Well, I don't know exactly what the secret sauce is, but uh, for me. 
because I do like people. Um, I mean, you know, we all, we all have, I think most tech people have a dark sense of humor and, uh, you know, um, we all are pretty sarcastic and, uh, uh, we have to balance not getting caustic in that at the same time, but we're all going to, we're all going to be joke. We're going to be jokesters and we're going to be sarcastic and we're going to be a little, you know, the head cocked because we're all a little cynical. Um, I, I tell people all the time, I said, most tech people, whether I don't care what, what the industry part is, we all usually have pretty good BS meters. They're pretty accurate. <laughs> so the minute something happens, that's not, you know, we know, we know it's not like something's not right. You know, most tech people will be like, mm, I don't know about that. So, but the bottom line is, um, you, you know, I like people. And so even if they can upset me sometimes, um, I try really hard to figure it out. I was very blessed early on. I had several people that I worked for that were, that really cared about us as a team. Um, my very, my first real job in, in my life was I worked for a Caterpillar tractor, uh, and, um, you know, a, a dealer that was here in Riverside. Um, and, um, it just picture it as like, sort of like a car dealership except for giant construction equipment which is way better mm -hmm. um and uh because i got to learn drive forklift i got all kinds i i learned how to do i i learned how to build hydraulic hoses i mean you know who gets how many people get to do that right so it's cool i don't use that in any way shape or form but it was a cool thing to 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 learn but uh uh i my boss there we were all a bunch of young guys going to going to school and just right out of high school and i had this guy bill richardson who was this little tiny guy who'd been an air force mp drill sergeant and he was retired but he was our boss and he was always there before we got there i don't care what time we had to come in he was there before we got there he brought donuts he had made the coffee he was and he talked to us about life and about just he he cared about us and we're just, we're like warehouse guys you know and i ended up driving and being a shipping clerk and all kinds of stuff but he treated us like we were his sons and daughters you know that's who he was and then as i got older i had three or four people and then when i was in when i first started in house of worship i had uh, one boss for 10 years a guy named ken robertson who if anybody listens to the podcast they've heard me talk about him a hundred times he's like yoda to me he was a tech director at Saddleback Church, which is a large church here in Southern California. Joe talks about it. If you listen to this podcast, you know who Saddleback is. He was the original tech director there for 12 years, right when Saddleback was becoming a huge mega church. Uh, and then he left there and went to another church here in Southern California called Mariners, which is in Irvine, right down by UC Irvine. And it was also a large, very large church. And I worked for him five years at Saddleback and five years at Mariners. And he basically taught me most of what I know about this, what we're talking about. So I was very blessed. And what I've learned is that you actually have to care about the people that work for you and you have to take time. And if it's, this is hard, but you actually have to figure out, I call it their love language. I know there's that book, you know, the mm -hmm. five love languages, whatever, but I just basically say, you know, especially in this litigious world where we're, as leaders, we have to be very, very careful about how we show affection to people that work for us or that serve with us or that volunteer with us or whatever, we, we have to be very appropriate and we should be absolutely 150%. Um, 
but you know, some people are going to be okay with a handshake. Some people want a fist bump. Some people want a side hug. Some people do not want that, uh, especially right now, COVID, right? No, no side hugs going on right now. Uh, but <laughs> in normal life, uh, other people, uh, want you like you have somebody, his, his name is Robert. It's not Bob. You need to learn that he likes to be called Robert, not Bob. Um, and there's some people you can joke with. There's some people you have to be totally straight arrow with. And there's some people that um, are always going to be sarcastic. You have to be appropriate with that, but you can, you can be a little bit, you know, have more humor with them. And there are other people that are very serious and you need to treat them with serious and respect. Um, you know, so I could go on and on and on and on no, and on about that, that, this. But, that is so but, good. But the gist of it is, and like working with older people. So the very last church that I worked at, most of my team was older than me. It was a, it was a church of uh, where probably 60% of the congregation was over 50. And so I learned that they will trust you, but you, and this is something I think good for, for higher learning, because a lot of times, a lot of the tech directors or people that are in tech are younger than some of the people, than they're serving, like the professors and things like that. Well, and then there's this whole education layer on top of it, but uh, people just that are older than you, they just want to be heard and they just want to know that you, you hear, I hear what you're saying and I respect what you're saying. I may have a different answer, but, that, but I'm listening, you know? And so a lot of it is just listening and getting to know these people. Not, you don't have to be their friend. You know, I mean, it's not like, let's go out and have coffee. Let's go out and get a beer afterwards, whatever. You don't have to do You know, you don't have to do that stuff. Um, but you have to, you have to listen to and, 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 and figure out who they are. This is very hard for a lot of tech people because they are introverts. And they don't yeah. really like people <laughs> <laughs> Natu naturally. Right. And so they don't want to take that time. But if you're in management, if you're managing people and you are, whether you're in church or you're higher learning, you're in tech, you're in it, whatever you're doing, if you become the boss or a boss, you are managing people. So you have to figure them out. The biggest mistake, I feel like I'm rambling, but the biggest mistake that managers. So right now, I think Joe, you would agree. We live in a world right now where there is so much bad management. Oh, it's gosh. not even funny. Yeah. There are so many, there's a book my dad read in the sixties called Peter principle. Mm -hmm. And basically the, one of the things that he took from it that he always talked to me about, he says, people are always elevated one level past their incompetence level. <laughs> an organization yeah. right because you, so, do, you do well so they promote you but they promote you in a place you're not prepared for and then because they're incompetent they can't help you be competent yep. so there's just at the top there's all this in the middle management and the top management there's all this incompetence because people have been they're, they're past their talent level um and they're going so fast and furious that they don't have time to make themselves better to get better you actually have to try to be better at what you're doing all the time. Besides doing your job, you've got to be bettering yourself. So, but the bottom line is, is I see so many leaders, excuse me. I see so many leaders um, that the biggest mistake I think leaders make is they try to manage everybody how they want to be managed. Yes. Instead of managing people, how those people need to be managed. And I'm not talking like I'm going to, I'm going to 
you know, you're like five years old and I'm, you know, and I'm gonna, whatever I'm saying, there's people that need to be managed. There's, everybody gets motivated different ways. We've all worked for organizations where we watch bosses motivate people in ways that does not motivate that person. Yep. That person is like, what are you talking? I don't, that's not my language. I don't get it. So you have to, as a manager, you absolutely have to figure out what motivates each of your people. And that's how you do it. And that's one of the reasons that I've always been somebody that people have liked to work for. I mean, I, the sign sounds arrogant, but if you talk to anybody that's worked for me, they will all say that because they've said it to me. I try to figure out what motivates them, you know, and, and I've gotten to a place now that I'm in my late fifties when I start a job. Now, luckily right now I'm blessed to work within four people who who know me very well. Uh, the, my last two jobs have been like that, but I will go in and, and nicely say, Hey, I just want you to know, these are the things that motivate me to be better. Mm-hmm. Not in a, not in a, you know, like arrogant way, just, you know, when they ask, cause they always say, you know, that what is the question now? What's, what's your best trait? <laughs> what's your worst trait? Yeah. My worst trait is I just work too hard. Yeah, I know no, that's that, don't say that. Take that opportunity to go, well, here, I, I don't know about those things, but I will tell you this. Here's what motivates me. Yeah. Here's how you're going to manage me. And the thing is, that's actually one of the most valuable things a manager can know is tell Absolutely. me, you know, and, and it's, you know, going back and, and uh, by the way, I didn't want to interrupt any of that because that was like gold. That was just a hundred percent gold. Um, because I think about like the, fr- the, the old phrase, no one cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And it's, the thing is, it's an easy phrase, but caring isn't, you know, making sure you say hi to them every day when they walk in or, you know, we had, we had a great team meeting and I brought coffee, you know, caring goes down to finding out, like you said, what makes that individual tick? What are their motivations? And, you know, like I found this, you know, early in one of my very first businesses, even before, you know, house of worship was, not everybody is motivated by the same benefit. Like some people want to do well and they wouldn't need want more, more money. Like you just assume, oh, everyone just get paid more. Some people right. don't. Some people do well and they go, I would just like a more flexibility in my schedule. That's how you can yep. reward me. Or I just want a better title. I don't even need the money. I just want to be called, you know, associate director or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You well, know, and don't you, and don't you find it changes over people's lives? Oh, absolutely. So if you manage somebody for a very long time, in your twenties, in your thirties, in your forties, in your fifties, those, they certainly have with me. Have they, have they with you? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. What, what motive, you know, what motivated you when you were 25 does not motivate you now. Yep. 100%. Well, I mean, there may be, it may be in there. And I think that, you know, what's really funny is, is that when you get older, you usually end up making more money. If you're good at what you do, you end up making more money and people think that's your motivator. But oddly, my motivator now like my bosses now know that time is my motivator. Mm-hmm. T- time is my motivator. I want to be able to do other things. And as long as I'm doing my job, they don't care, but they know that's more of a motivation than getting paid. Yep. Now, of course I, I want to get paid. You want to get paid. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, paid. and that's exactly, but, yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, I think that salary is a, um, 
is a reflection of everything else you've done well, right? You will move into those positions and you will get those opportunities because you've done a good job. But then that's also where you can start to ask for other things. Like to me, I'm a workaholic, right? I mean, like it doesn't matter. If some my job told me that I'm, I only have to work eight hours a week, I'm still gonna work 40. It doesn't matter. And then I'm still gonna, that's, but to me, I like having influence. That's my motivator, right? I want to be at the highest table in the organization. I want to seat at that chair, you know, at that table, right? And that's where, right. um, if I don't have that, makes me want to move to somewhere else, right? Well, and you figure you figured out at your age, you figured out what a lot of people don't. Influence is way better than power. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and because also with power comes responsibility. So to be an influencer, right. you can right. always say this is it. You can be being that expert in the room to change yep. lives. And again, you know, power is also negative, um, but influence is the sense where you can actually reach a person. Right? If you yeah. influence an organization to move in a direction or influence a team to achieve a goal. There's a sense of accomplishment in that. And then probably like same thing you and I, now that we're, you know, years old um, and be into <laughs> another stage of our careers, um, influencing the younger generation becomes more important, right? Having yeah. someone who, seeing someone go who you might have started in the industry and then they come to you and say, oh, you know, um, thank you, but I got bad news. I'm leaving and I'm, I'm going to quit. And you're, you know, and you're, and they're like, because I'm going to go take a, big job over here, or I got this, or I'm going to start my own business. They think you're going to be upset and you're like, awesome, great. Let's go celebrate. Let's go have lunch. What else, What do you right. need from me? Do you hear, you got my number, right? If you need mentorship, you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me because those well, are the you can motivators. Tell, you can tell a lot about, about a boss who, how they react, <laughs> what kind of person they are by how they react when you tell them that you're going on to do something even better based on the job that you've been doing for them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that also, uh, yeah, we, well, I guess we see it in both verticals and, and, and I guess probably, well, I would say it's, it's true in life, right? Um, yeah, not, yeah. not just uh, AV or our, our church and higher ed, but you see it a lot in the sense, but that has to do with, you know, right back to your Peter principle, right? People who are in positions because they're maybe not, weren't qualified. They did great as an individual contributor. They got put into this position and now there's a sense of, well, if this person's getting other opportunities, Either they want to take all the credit for it, or it it you know it's a it hits them personally. Going okay, that they it take they take it personally that you would even want to leave or something. I mean, I don't know. There's all these awful reasons, but right. Um, but I think that this is so important because you know as we look into growth, I think that like you know not to uh, I almost did it, almost went through an entire episode without saying the word COVID, but I'm gonna do it. Um. <laughs> You know, but again, it came a world changer, right? And I think of this in both of our, like, here's the thing, in both of our verticals, how, how pre-COVID, how many churches were arguing whether or not they should invest in live streaming, right? right. And it was like yeah. the biggest, don't do it, don't waste your money, do that, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you have to be there. Higher ed, same thing. Is online learning have any value? Does, you know, oh, online learning has zero value. You'd hear this all across academic publications right. until yeah. all of a sudden it's what was keeping the university open. All of a sudden those those arguments are gone now, you know? Yeah. It's like. Yeah, and I, well, and, and for sure, I'll never forget, I, you know, people have asked, well, how is your, how's the company doing? Are you guys 
you know, and I'm like, we're booming, man. Cause every church in America, whether they had 15 people in it or 50,000 people in it, they all had to be online instantaneously. Yep. And, and then, I mean, it, both are, both are verticals hilarious. All of a sudden you couldn't get gear. You couldn't get any gear. There was no video gear. It was yep. gone. It was gone. And, you know, and then you had China because China had shut down before us and most of the gear comes from there, especially video gear. There was like four months where nothing had been being produced. Yep. <laughs> so everything got wiped off the shelves. And so now it's like, oh, this is the most important thing now. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's hilarious because people just, they get, if they're not, if they're not thinking about this, about all this stuff, they're going to get blindsided and back to, back to the whole thing about he, I think where, what I was saying too, before, and you were saying it too, is if people leave, you can't take it personally, Mm -hmm. um, unless they're leaving because you're not a good leader <laughs> unless you're a jerk then of course no <laughs> yeah but but if 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 you hire good people with potential if you see a the rock star thing you say that person's going to be a rock star um i think it's also important I, I will tell you this one of the things that ken robertson did for me is when he hired me he didn't see me for who i was at that moment he saw me for who i was going to become there's going to be and we can talk more about this about levels of who you invest in and how you invest in levels of people, but in the rock star folks, which are at the top level, the one bad thing about the rock star people is they are going to leave because basically you're investing in them. Excuse me. You're investing in them to be better than you. Yep. And they're going to leave. So you can't take that personally. You have to go. I've, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've said to people, I've taken you as far as you can go. Yeah. And so you need to go over here or yep. whatever. Because sometimes That's the next step is your job, right? And either you have to choose to leave so yep. they can fill it or they have to find that somewhere else. Absolutely. And the and especially in technology, because technology is such a weird duck in an organization that when you become the head person in technology, where, where are you going? Like when you're the technical director, or the head of IT or whatever, whatever the title is, when you're the guy or the girl, um, where are you going? (laughs) You're the ceiling in your department. And, and tech is a weird duck because there's, you're not, there's not a lot of um, horizontal moves that people can make unless they want to not do what they did. And that, I think that works in, in uh higher learning it certainly works in the church um i'm not all of a sudden you know i was the technical director i'm not all of a sudden going to become the youth pastor i'm not all of a sudden going to be or whatever you know that's just not technology we are we are wired not to you know no pun intended we are wired so much different than everybody else in our organization that it is very hard even if you have like with you with you you may have a degree and you may have a minor in something else or whatever but you don't really want to go over and start doing that all of a sudden because when you're a technical person you're kind of wired to do technology and this is kind of what you want you want to do so when you have rock stars that come up under you you're going to have to send them out 
yep. they're going to have to go to another church, to another university, to another school, into in, into into the business world, you know, into the corporate world or whatever. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Yep. Yeah, I know. That's and, so true. So true. And I, I love that what you were saying, because like once we, when we are in a prison, I look at myself like, you know, bachelor's in, in philosophy, master's, you know, from Moody seminary then a phd in religion with you know got my book people know the book and it's like but i work in av and that's the only job i'm ever gonna do because that's where we are wired to and that's who we are um and you can have all these other side things but the fact is that we're drawn into this crazy vertical for some reason of av and this crazy thing um but it also says a lot about us because of, you know, it is something special. And I think this is the kind of the key. If we look at moving forward and maybe the something this last year taught us is that um, we've been legitimized, right? A lot of times right. yeah. we were, and, and I'm actually curious about this. If you can speak to this in the house of worship, because I'm not as involved in it as I was in the past, that there used to be that, um, Tech people were second, kind of the second class citizens in the in the church. I know in uh, higher ed it was the case, but now we have seats at the table. We are right. getting direct emails from the highest levels of our institutions because we they've recognized, oh, those are the people who actually do do this. It was that you know they right. sought us out. Are you seeing that change in house of worship? Um, it's a mixed bag. Um, what this is what happened. So when technology was an overhead projector or a slide, slide projector, you know, or something like that, there was the AV club, right? I mean, mm-hmm. let's just face it. You know, it was the AV club. And then all of a sudden when technology started to boom, like in the late eighties, early nineties, the two thousands just blew up, even in the house, even in house of worship, uh, in the bigger organizations, the technical people had a seat at the table because the churches were investing a lot of money in technology. Then we had the millennials kind of come in and they were all born into technology. So, so many more of them knew it. And then the, the old guys, quote unquote, uh, got to a place where they were making really good money, even in churches for church, they were making the same money that some of the pastors were making. And that didn't sit well with a lot of leadership. Mm. So they were going, well, they've trained all these younger people that are button pushers and make half the money. So we'll exit out the, the old guys and we'll have these guys. But the difference was is the old guys had a seat at the table because they also had wisdom. And these young guys mm. didn't have the wisdom yet because it's not that they're stupid. They're great people, but you gain wisdom one of the things of getting older is the wisdom come part comes with it, hopefully. And so we had this whole season where there was a lot of technical directors that didn't have a seat at the table because their, their leadership didn't trust them with leadership decisions. They trusted them with technical decisions. They could make the show happen. They could make the event happen. They could make the service happen, but they were not going to, going to allow them to make big decisions. Now we've started to flip back over because everybody has to rely on those folks, just like in higher learning, everybody has to rely on the technical department. So I'm actually seeing a lot of, not a lot, 
I'm actually seeing a good number of incompetent technical people in churches getting fired. Wow. Getting released of their leadership and uh, people, people who are competent filling that position. And now you have organizations that don't have a choice. You know, um, I have this, if anybody who knows me knows that I've said this, you know, sometimes you're the leper with the most fingers. Right. And so, um, you know, that's the, who, you know, who do they hand my dad always said, that's who they hand the shovel to, right. (laughs) With the most fingers holds the shovel. So sometimes you're that person and you don't even have to be the smartest person. You just have to be the smartest person in the room. Right. That does, that can do that. That doesn't always say everything about your competence level. That just says about the competence level, competency level of the entire, the organization you're working for as a whole. And so, you know, um, uh, uh, and that sounds like a chide, but it's not, it's, it's just a reality. And so, yeah. so what's starting to happen though, is that organizations that can um, do this are starting to look a lot closer at the people that are doing the technology and go, do they actually know what they're doing? And they've got two options at that point. They either bring in, they either replace them with somebody else who knows what they're doing. And that comes at a cost in any organization, religious or secular, or, they say, you know what? We really believe in that person. Let's get them the resources to educate them better. And then the, the third one that I really don't talk about, but, but is really happening a lot is there's younger people um, and older people that are in these positions that don't know that much and have had the foresight and the brains to go, I better get my act together here and stay valuable and figure out how to do this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because we always, you know, most, so for those of you, the people who listen to this podcast and don't really know a lot about kind of how the church tech thing has kind of always been almost every tech director starts out as the audio guy yep. because you can have like flip on the lights. There's zero stage lighting, but it's just like house lighting, but you got to have a guy behind the soundboard. <laughs> and so, a lot of tech directors are audio are are mixers like me. I was that's how I started. Yep. And so you too, right? Yep. I mean, same here. Yeah. So, so, but if you want to go someplace, if you want to stay relevant, if you want to stay needed, and you want to be somebody that is the go-to, you got to learn all the other disciplines. Now you don't have to be like the rock star, but you have to know how to make it work. You know. I, I can video direct. Is it as good as people that I know that are full-time video directors? Nope. Can I, can I do an event? Yeah, I could. And would people think it was okay? People have thought it was okay, you know, and lighting the same way. And, you know, so am I as good as a lot of my friends that strictly do that, that that's their, that that's their vocation? No. And I, and I never will be. But that's what's happened in this realm is that because video streaming online, getting things to work. Uh, I remember even back before this happened, I remember going to Cal Baptist and uh, you were showing me uh, uh, the, your, your, your online classroom setup that you guys had done that was very visionary and very few people were doing it at the time. And, and that I, I can only imagine how much that stretched you Oh, absolutely. as a, as, as someone who was having to figure this out because hardly anybody was doing what you guys were doing at that moment. Now, you know, that has to have helped you in this season 
what you went through two or three years ago with that system that has to have helped you in this season. So everybody's had to get smart. The, the people that have gotten smart, get a seat at the table. Yep. hundred percent. And and you're absolutely right. I think it is those experiences looking at, um, you know, it, it's interesting because as I've done this podcast and I've interviewed other people, one common thing that has arisen outside of your name getting dropped all the time. But the reason it gets dropped all the time is because of how many people came into higher ed through the house of worship side where they might've started young. Then they realize, Oh, maybe I don't want to work Sundays or I, you know, (laughs) now have a family or bad leadership. Right. And then they move into like a Christian university or something and go through there and then move into a secular university as they develop the skills and you can, or sometimes jump straight into a secular, but it is, it's so funny, but it is almost like house of worship has become a feeder into higher education. Um, and because right. those skills and the, the, the people skills that we are, you know, kind of pulling, I, I'm going to sort of wrap this up because at 35 minutes, we said we were going to start to wrap up and we're at 55 minutes now. We both knew this was really going to happen. We pretended we like we were going to end at 50 minutes, but yeah, uh, know, um, right? we, we, we both knew it was going to happen, but, yeah. um, and, but I think, so then what happens is you have people who realize they get to a stage of their career They've learned these skills. Now you want to come into kind of, let's call it the corporate world. That is, you know, higher ed, I consider the corporate world, nothing more beautiful than nine to five, uh, Monday through Friday. It's a wonderful schedule to have. And, um, but you start now seeing that there's this tangible, you know, being able to, you know, signal flow is signal flow, whether it's in house of worship or, or higher ed. Um, but the opportunity to come in and say, yes, I want to stretch my skills. And that's what makes for a very successful higher ed head person, because you're talking about control more than you're talking about audio or video. In fact, the funny thing is, and I noticed this audio drops way down. It shouldn't because audio is what matters now that we see that in, you know, virtual learning and, you know, the, the, the video can stop, but the audio has to continue. That's been one of the biggest learning things. But before pre-pandemic, it was about video. You know, can you see the image on the projector? How bright is the projector, you know, and control something that's rarely even talked about in, you know, in, in the house of worship circles, and yet now you've we make that connection, and that's why I think there's so much that can be gleaned. And I would hope that uh, House of Worship could actually go back and learn a lot from that, run more like a a a business to develop the people. And that's why I was you know interested in your your answer to you know are you what you're seeing? Are we getting the seat at the table? Because that wisdom does have something to do with it. We have an and I would say also. The age demographic in the church, you're right, is much lower. And I don't know if it's because so we can we can pay them less because they're not there yet, and then they'll leave. We won't worry about it, and we'll fill it with someone else to get paid less. I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, but we definitely notice it's an older demographic in the higher education side, It just in general. Right. Um, and I don't know, maybe just because people become lifers, maybe there is more room to grow. Maybe it's state contracts, let your, you get an automatic raise every year to keep you, you know, so there's no reason to leave it, um, you know, outside of other benefits, like, you know, free tuition for your kids, things like that, you know, of course, are, are also great things. But I think it's interesting that how much can, can be drawn between the two things, especially when I was at Cal Baptist. And like I said, how much that having a, you know, where one moment we are doing, you know, 
are hybrid learning. And we were already developing that years ago. And yet turn that same venue 24 hours later into a worship service. And you've got a whole house of worship mindset going. And that, that dichotomy was so interesting to me, which is now kind of gone. I mean, we still do live events at USC and stuff like that. Um, But it's an interesting bridge. Um, And I would love to see, you know, much more of it flip back the other way. I'd love to see these two verticals really combine more because I think that you can learn a lot from it, you know, and I would love that, that influence, um, and the, just going full circle back to our people reasons can really impact my vertical now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, like let's take Disney. So here in Southern California, we have Disneyland and California adventure and universal studios and on and on and on magic mountain. I mean, there's so many venues here. You can't swing a cat without, you know, hitting a, hitting some kind of a venue, not even, not even church and not even school. I'm talking about just other venues. And then both of us, we know a lot of people in these that work in these venues. Of course, nobody's working right now, which is terrible, but um, you know, they will, again, people will go back to people are, people like to gather. And for people that think that we're never going to get, that's not, that's not real. As soon as we get a chance, we're back together. I invite you all to go on YouTube and watch the documentaries on the Spanish flu pandemic in the, in, in the early 1900s. And what happened right after that was the biggest boom in was the 20, the roaring twenties literally happened right after that. And people got back together. People Mm -hmm. wanted to be together because we are social people. That's who we are. So um, it will happen. So I, I think the two, because I know a lot of people in those in D- at Disney and things like that. The two biggest feeders for Disney for technicians was um, high school theater programs, which unfortunately are kind of have kind of been dying, which is yeah. really sad. Is. And and house of worship. Mm. Yep, 100%. I can't. I, there are so many techs that work at Disneyland that started at a church. And they got really good at Disney. And some of them went back to the church and became tech directors. They, they did their stint at Disney, got really good at what they did. And then they left and went back. Now, a lot of those went to corporate world. A lot of those went to higher learning. A lot of those went into industry, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of them stayed there. There's a, there's a ton of people at Disneyland and any of those kind of places that have been there for 30 years, 40 years, you know, but church is a great place, especially now because we have parody. Uh, the church world has parody because I, I hate saying this because it just, there's just something in me, but if you can work on a Behringer X32 digital console, which is arguably one of the cheapest digital consoles you can buy, I know there are cheaper, but you know, just, and, and we do have to say that the X32 is one of the standards of the industry. We hate yeah. saying it, but that is true. They've sold a billion of them. If you can work on that, you can also work on a, a Yamaha top of the line console, yep, like a PM10. Now, can you jump right to it with no other knowledge? No, but you, with a little bit of help from somebody, you could get going on it and kind of figure it out. Now, you wouldn't know everything, and it would take you years to really get good at it. But we've got we had so we have parity of a learning scheme in church all the way through to 
live events to corporate to higher education all that stuff and because churches now rely so heavily on technology uh i with it with with live recorded all that stuff and with control and i can't tell you how many how many we put a lot of systems in with what we call the easy button you know a symmetrics symmetrics uh, wall panel that 90 percent of the events that happen in that room anybody can walk in hit this button this button the mic the dvd works or you know whatever you can flip on the computer whatever and nobody has to come in and that's that's what you do in a lot of respects rooms that run themselves right rooms that run themselves and there's a lot of churches that build those especially bigger churches that have a lot of events and a lot of rooms that are doing exactly the same thing so there is a lot of parody in that i truly believe that that uh church's biggest challenge and i and i think this is in anything see one of the things that i think that where higher learning has a leg up and where live event good like you know disney places like that where they have a leg up is hopefully most of them have developed a process to train people in what they are doing and continuing their process where the church has a problem is because nobody else knows even understands what's happening in that realm most of the time is that they don't have a process to continue instead of just hiring somebody and letting them figure it out on their own which is what a lot of churches do and i would say probably most churches unfortunately they don't have a process where the leadership says look i know you know a lot but I want you to continue to know a lot. We're going to invest in you. Mm. You're not just mm. a button pusher. We're going to invest in you. And, and to be honest, I think in any organization, certainly in church, they're a little bit afraid that they invest in them too much. They're just going to leave and they're going to have to start all over again. Yep. Yeah. And um, I've seen a lot of that. And, and it's, it's yeah. funny because different in higher ed where there's a huge, I mean, the whole idea of higher education is sharing information. It is research. So investing in your people is expected sending them to trips and you know conferences is expected and i remember in in house of worship it wasn't always it was oh they won't let me leave nope. or what can i get you know you were looking for any free resource you could get um right and, and hence and hence why a lot of these podcasts started videos started happening uh, uh mxu yeah. um philo all these conferences your folks won't know but these are all conferences for church technical technical people and, uh, and they had to be of a value. Um, you know, I, I remember one of the reasons that church tech weekly did all the things we did is because Mike and I didn't have budgets to be able to go to conferences and different things like that. So we would get sponsors mm-hmm. for the videos and podcasts that we would do. And that would actually fund our ability to go Get to there. conferences. <laughs> so that's why one of the reasons we did the podcast and the videos and stuff like that is because we actually could get people to sponsor us. And then we would be able to go to those things. Most people don't have that. Yep. Most people don't, don't have yeah. that. I think it's very important to, um, I would actually rather negotiate if I was becoming a technical director now. And in fact, I did in my, my, my last job, that was a technical director. I had, uh, I had not only my vacation time, but I also had a couple weeks of conferences that were baked into my salary so that I would be able to go. I would have my to go and that they would cut, that I would be getting paid to go 
and do all the things. Um, now, when I was 25 to, or 28 or whatever, did I have the, the forethought to negotiate that? No, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I did when I was older. But super important because, and I think a big fault of any organization, it doesn't have to just be church. The fault of any organization is to not invest in their people to make them better. Because if you make them better, the result is better. Yes, there's a risk of them leaving, but if you treat them well and you pay them fairly, they're not going to leave right away. I mean, eventually they probably will, but, you know, invest in them, invest in them. If you invest in people, People will invest in what your mission is. Yep, absolutely. It it goes both ways. You have to invest in them and they will invest in your mission. Don't think that you hire somebody, and this goes for anything in my opinion. If I hire somebody and expect that they're the ones investing in our mission because I'm paying them, that is a dumb, that is ignorant. You have to invest in them as they're investing in what you're doing. Um, You know, and so that's, that, that's just, so good. That, you know, uh, that's just what happens. So good. <laughs> how, yeah. um, you know, and, all right. So I'm going to finally put a bow on this. Um, but so I'm going to just to comment on what, what you, what, what you were just saying, let me say some advice. Like the number one skill that church tech offers is troubleshooting quickly mm-hmm. um, yep. and understanding signal flow. And I think that those are two weaknesses in uh, higher ed. Because we move, there's a little phrase we use, we move at the speed of higher ed, right? Which is forever. <laughs> um, and so I value someone who can walk in a room and go, okay, green line and projector, this and this. Okay, no, all right, I see signal there, right? Like, and knows the problem before they got to the front of the room. Like, that to right. me is awesome. And yet, now, when you're applying, especially, now, if, if you're applying to a Christian university or something, you can put, you know, volunteer at or worked at church. I think that there's, you know, sadly, if you're applying for a secular institution, there's a, oh, I don't want to put anything religious on my resume. Or, I mean, if you're, if it was your last job and it was, then it is, you know, whatever church would actually be there. But don't downplay if you want to move, you know, and this is kind of to your audience, Van, if you want to move into higher education, you want to work into schools, universities, have that type, don't be afraid to put that, you know, other skills of volunteering, what you have done, the work you did at a church, to talk about signal flow and troubleshooting and people skills. Put yeah. those down because that's what a lot of people won't recognize. Yet as leaders, as a director of you know one of the top institutions in this country, I'm going to look at that. You tell me you can deal with people. You can solve things really quickly and have that. Uh, you better believe you probably just got an interview, right? Regardless right. of what your last job said. Because those are exactly the skills I'm looking for. And sadly, those get downplayed on secular um, uh, you know, uh, applications, right? Because people are afraid to put it out there. Don't be. Um, and, and, just- and, wouldn't, and wouldn't you say, too, to get, even if it's not, even if your bosses won't give you a recommendation, there's people that you work with that will write you letters of recommendation and have them talk about that stuff exactly people that worked with you and put those in your folder and it can be a pastor it's okay it can be a musician it's okay those are other people and they worked with you they're not you know it can't be from your mom it has to be for somebody you worked with but doesn't that i mean when i when i'm hiring people i look at that like oh okay well this this person and i i may happen to even know that person i may go oh yeah they're no they're pretty stand up yep 
Yeah, no, I think you're, you're dead on. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm actually good at. I think that's one of the technical things that I'm the best at is I'm a good troubleshooter and it's very much served me well. Yep. Um, and so that's, you know, to be able to know, to be able to understand how a attaches to Z and all points in between is priceless. Yep. And that was, you know, so funny because I had, when I came into USC and I set a standard for our department that we were going to have a five minute SLA. So service level agreement for those who want to know, we got to solve the problem in five minutes. Um, yeah, let's use those IT terms. Um, no, um, those service terms. But the funny thing is, is some people looked at me and went, wait, five minutes, we have to solve this in five minutes. And I'm thinking if I were a church tech director, it only takes about four seconds for the entire congregation to turn and stare at me. The second something goes wrong on stage, right. trust me, five minutes would feel like five hours in That's an eternity, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> five minutes me. is an eternity in live events. Yes. So <laughs> in a live event situation, which most churches are a live event situation, it's forever. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm thinking, wow, I'm being generous, giving you more than a minute. And that's only because we have lots of buildings. It's going to take you four to get there. You know, <laughs> that's why you get five minutes. Right. Four <laughs> uh, minutes to walk there and a minute, a minute, to, <laughs> a minute to figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, and my, my whole thing is always whenever I'm talking to, whenever I walk into something, I said, okay, I, I just need you to just give me a minute. Just give me one minute so I can collect yeah. my thoughts and go, you know, what, what, what are we doing here? What's, yeah. what's the, what's, what are we, where are these things accomplished? Yeah. No troubleshooting and people skills are the two best things that you can have in life. Absolutely. hundred percent. That, and I think that goes for everything, not just certainly in the technology fields and that doesn't matter what it is. So yeah, you're dead on. You are absolutely dead on. Yep. Uh, oh, this is so good. Um, now, normally I end with a rapid round, but since now we're really past, but I have, I feel like I'm going to cheat you if I don't give you one rapid it's round question. Totally okay. Um, totally okay. So you get one, and because everyone gets the same question as the first ones, so you're going to get the one, which is the first one. And because I know your daughter did go to Cal Baptist University, right? Went to nursing school and all. Um, yeah. What is your favorite college tradition? My favorite college tradition, my favorite college tradition is definitely, is definitely graduation mm -hmm. uh, because it's both a, uh, it's a right. I like rite of passages, you know, I like, I like rite of passages. Uh, I like to, to, to say, Hey, I've accomplished something. And here's a, here's a mile marker that says I've accomplished that. Uh, I, you know, I don't, and it's also a shock to the system because, you know, uh, I, I just remember when my daughter graduated uh, and, you know, you could just, you, she could just, she was elated, but there was also now there was this pressure. Oh, I have to start my life now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I've got to, now I've got to take what I've learned and, and take, take these experiences and then I've got to apply them, you know? And um, so I, I think that's a, I think, graduation is a great, I mean, it's, that sounds cliche, but I love, that's why I'm a, not a believer in having a preschool graduation, uh, sixth grade graduation. I think you should have high school graduation and you should have college graduation mm -hmm. because the less graduations you have, the more they mean. And those two are huge markers because there's a lot of people that fail that flunk out of college. Yep. They don't make it. They don't make it. 
And I mean, uh, in the nursing program at Cal Baptist, when she was there, which has been several years ago now, when it first started, they started with probably twice the amount of students that they ended with Yeah, because <laughs> it's hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I just love graduation because I just think it's, I, I love the whole, you know, I, I love the whole, this is a rite of passage. I did it. I accomplished this. And, you know, my dad always told me that a lot of the reason that, that, you know, a lot of people like to see it, they want to see a, a college degree is because when they hire you, they want to know you can finish something, you mm-hmm. know, and um, it's not about the degree necessarily. I mean, it is in a lot of, you know, if you're a doctor, you know, whatever, there's a lot of that, but I mean, just saying certainly nursing, but a lot of times people just want to know you can finish something because so many people don't finish things in this world. Yeah. You know? And so, but, and I like it just because I like the pomp and circumstance of it, not, you know, no pun intended. And just the, oh, and I also like it cause I like the tradition of it. Cause we don't have a lot of traditions anymore in our world. And I like the tradition of it. I like that they still wear caps and gowns. I like that they still play, you know, the alma mater. I just like that they still have a commencement speech. I like that, you know, all the, all the things, you know, I like that. I think we need more of that. I think we need more tradition back in our lives. Yep. So. Oh, love, love that. Um, I guess, um, well, I guess for your audience, oh, so good. All right. Um, by the way, that is the number one answer people give is commencement. Uh, I need to feel like I need like a family feud thing. Uh, it's commencement and then it's football. <laughs> but of course, you have to, usually it's only when it's major football schools that right. they'll say football. Of course, yeah. So, um, yeah, right. Um, so I guess for your audience, if people want to get a hold of me, I'm at Josiah Way on all the socials. You can find the Higher Ed AV podcast at Higher Ed AV. And of course, if you are interested in USC, at USC um, on all the socials. Man, how can people get a hold of you? Well, and we will, and, and, and for my audience, we will put all of Joe's uh, stuff in the, uh, the, all the things, as I say on my podcast, <laughs> all the things in the show notes at the soundbooth.com or at churchtechprofiles.com. Uh, yeah, you can get a hold of me. Um, uh, why you would still want to be on Twitter, I have no idea, but it seems to be the thing that people, at least, people have a Twitter, <laughs> whether they're actually on Twitter is a whole other thing. Uh, but I'm the, the soundbooth on Twitter uh, because I, just can't get rid of that moniker because it's I've had it for I don't know how many years. Uh, or you can just I'm Van Metchke, uh on a lot of everything else, uh, and uh, you'll have to look at how to spell it. But Joe will have it in correctly I'll, in the I'll have in it the there. notes. And uh, only the Germans would do five consonants in a row. I always tell people that <laughs> with Metchke. Uh, but um, and uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's Church Tech Profiles podcast which is on all the things iTunes and everything else and uh, church tech profiles on, um, on Instagram and all the socials and everything and church tech pro on Twitter. Cause you know, you run out of characters on Twitter. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, we have a Facebook page. We have all that. And uh, you can go to the soundbooth.com or churchtechprofiles.com to uh, see the podcast. So yeah. And you can get a hold of me. I, I do actually uh, uh, respond to instant messages. And uh, you can also get a hold of me. If you just want to send me an email at van at the soundbooth.com, you can do that too. And I will respond to you. I promise. 
All right. Th- this was so good. Um, yeah, Van, without even trying, you probably came one of the longest episodes. And we even I'm, said before we, we s- went, we were like, we're going to do 35 minutes. We're out of here. We're both no. in and out in 50. And we here knew we that are. Was not, we knew that was not going to happen. Yeah. So there we so, go. So yeah. and I'll give the, here's a disclaimer. We're kind to everyone there. Please note that the, all the opinions here are not necessarily those expressed of, of our, our representative, representative of our institutions, our companies, anything along those lines, uh, or any sponsors that might be interested and you can reach out to both of us for those and um, for sure. um, there we go if you didn't like these opinions maybe you'll find better ones next week I always tell people give us give us a five star and if you have a bad opinion don't put it down you know that's good I got to add that one in there all right all right and thank you everyone for listening bye